Should we turn the video off then? Yeah, why not? I don't I'd love not to see you. Alrighty then, let's start <laughs> this bad boy up. Ladies and gentlemen, whiskey enthusiasts, and those who believe running is only acceptable if you're being chased by a bear or chasing an ice cream truck. Welcome back for another episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast. Mitch here, and as always, I'm joined by the man with a healthy head of hair to make up for the lack of me not having any, I suppose, Nicholas Polacki. <laughs> always a pleasure, never a chore, mate. How you doing? I'm doing very well, Mitch. Very well indeed today. Uh, we've got a show that's ex- is as exhilarating as the time I accidentally Easy tried for to you use. Say. What was that? <laughs> Easy for you to say, mate. Do you know what? I had a funny comeback to you talking about my hair, and I was going to say this is about as exciting as the time I tried to use whiskey's hair gel. It was uh, fun but slightly misguided. <laughs> uh, today's episode <laughs> is like the perfect dram. Smooth, exhilarating, and leaves you with an unexpected smile. So, Indeedy, mate. Oh, I like that. I like that. There we go. There. Um, How's your week? Yeah, been? I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's been a crazy week. I'm gonna get into that in just a second. But before we do, just to let everyone know what we're gonna do today, we're, we're gonna go through some juicy whiskey news. We've got a lot of whiskey news because we haven't been well. We we missed a weekend, so uh, we've both been pretty busy, which uh, we're gonna talk about in just a second. Uh, and I want to talk about this remarkable adventure that I recently did and, and has recently been concluded called Destination Dufftown, which was a 60-mile run over the bonny hills of Speyside. Uh, I mean, why walk when you can run, right? Especially when it's sponsored by the guys over at Glenfiddich. So we're going to talk about that in just a second because I was on the trip and not running. I hasten to add, Nicholas, you know me. I'm not a big runner. Don't really do that. But Copper Cairn was working on the logistics and the support for this. So what I did, we had an amazing meal right at the end of all this. And uh, some of the brave souls who survived this feat, I got them to sit down uh, and chat about everything, including the guy that had this harebrained scheme that put it all together, the Glenfiddich ambassador for Scotland, Mark Thompson, and the owner of Whiskey Me, amazing author as well, Tristan Stevenson. So stay tuned for that. We're going to chuck that in to the end of the show. That's amazing, Mitch. So you didn't do the run but you showed no. up for the meal. Are you the guy that goes to funerals to see what you can get, like as a snack? Are you that guy? Like Jack and Victor? Oh, what a Sprinter put on. <laughs> right here, Jack. Hey, no one asks. It's great because no one asks any questions when you do that. <laughs> put a sausage roll in your pocket for later. Anyway, so before we get to all of that stuff, Mitch, uh, what have you been up to this week? Or more importantly, do you want me just to dive in here and tell you what celebrities I've been hanging out with? No, I don't want to hear any more celebrity stories. From well, we please. missed. We've had so this many good comments one, on social media about like who I'm hanging with. Celebrity stories. Yeah, oh. yeah. That, you you want to do it though? I can see you're gagging to do it. It's not even that. It's because we missed a week, and then I got a double hitter in one restaurant at the same time. And these are pretty good right, ones. Go so on I was then. in I was in Boston, and I was having dinner at uh, Zuma inside the Four Seasons in Boston, and sitting at the table was Carlos Santana. I was like, this man's a legend. And dressed like an ultimate Carlos Santana, like full leopard print, brim hat, amazing. Absolute rock star, right? Painter. Carlos Santana, the guitarist. (laughs) The painter? I think I know who that is. You don't know who Carlos (laughs) Santana is? Yeah, he's the guy, he's the guitarist dude, right? (laughs) 
Give me one song. Uh, la 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 bumper. Nope. La 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 bumper. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right, fine for people out there that actually know what they're talking about. So Carlos Santana was there and sitting next to him. You might know this one, Pink. Pink was sitting down next to him uh, at a different table, not at his table as a guest. And um, so I, I had a little double dunter meeting both of them. So that was pretty fun. And then I was in Miami this week. So a little bit sunburned because it's, when I say it's hot, Mitch, it was 100 plus degrees Fahrenheit, which is close to the 40s, I think in Celsius. Absolutely brutal. And that that's nothing. This week ahead, I'm going to Arizona, where it's been clocking in between 114 and 118 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 47 or 48, I think. Like, just almost, just disgusting. I hope you've got some sun cream for your, your peely Scottish skin I'll, there. Right? I'll be staying inside the whole time. It's downright dangerous to be outside, but just real heat waves coming across the United States at the moment, so I'm I'll be staying in. No taps are for me. Man. Well, do you, I always remember when remember when we did um, like trips to Arizona and the distributors brought like ice buckets to put the whiskeys in just because they got so hot leaving mm-hmm. them in the cars. Yep. So they still like do that. that. Right? Yeah, they still do that. They keep yeah. like those insulated ice packs and everything goes around in like the foil lined bags to try and keep the they're selling wine or whiskey or whatever it happens to be because it just bakes and boils yeah. in the car. I have not been up to as glamorous stuff as, as you've been up to, mate, but I have visited a few new distilleries that I haven't seen before. So that was no, kind of fun. So, yeah, I went to uh, Glengarry, which is just in Meldrum. So that's the first time I've been there. Cool to see that. Been some, been some Tory, own it. So, um, you know, my ex on the show, Daz, sorted me out with that, a little tour around there. Cool to see what they're doing. You know, they've they've uh, they've brought back to life the floor maltings there, so yeah. that's that's nice to see. Uh, really putting in a bit of money into into that distillery right in the centre of town. Very small distillery, some good juice. They looked after us. They gave me some driver's dram, which I've been so busy I haven't even had a chance to to drink yet. Then the following week, I went to Spaybarn, which we mentioned on the show a few weeks ago. So they've just opened up to visitors. And uh, I got a sneak peek of that distillery before they actually opened up. Really cool to see that. I need to send you the pictures and I'll, I'll put it on our, our Instagram, actually. They've got the old drum maltings there and literally they closed the doors in the 60s and just left that. So it's kind of like this timepiece of how this operated. There was actually still some grist that you could see that had just been left there, you know, from the 60s. It That's was cool. absolutely insane to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really cool distillery uh, tour to, to go and check out for anyone that's visiting Speyside next time they're in town. Um, that that whole Friday actually was pretty crazy. We went up to Glenfiddich and, you know, the artists in residence, remember uh, Andy Fairgreave? He had a big party with with all the artists in residence up at Glenfiddich. So went up to that, had some drinks. That was fantastic. And then obviously that led straight into Destination Duff Time, which we're going to chat about right at the end of the show. So that's Very been cool. my week, mate, and it's just been non-stop. I was just up at Glenmorangie, staying at Glenmorangie House with some guests from here. Right now I'm recording this. I'm down in St. Andrews. I've been all over the place. It literally has not stopped. But the good news is next week I'm off to Amsterdam, just getting out of Scotland and nice. uh, busting a move, switching the phone off, no cool. emails, none of that bullshit. Well, I've not been to any distilleries of late, but 
That being said, I did get a cracking bottle of whiskey through. So a friend of the show, Mr. Keith Bonington, sent me a little pack of the Easy Sipper, which is a single grain whiskey. It's all in Fussville bourbon barrels from North uh, British Distillery. It's an 11-year-old, and it is absolutely banging. So for those of you that are out in the UK and other parts of Europe where this is available, swing by and pick this up. It's a, one, it's, just, it's, the, it's as you can imagine, the name Easy Sipper, and it's a kind of psychedelic almost like the Beatles style bottling uh, and it's baller like it's really just a phenomenal nose on it first of all I love single grain whiskies but this is just absolutely delicious so well worth kind of hunting nice. down for well, those yeah mate, really good good to see you getting some free whiskey um Keith just remember he's in America I'm in Scotland what the fuck <laughs> is this actually this is the first time I've had something that you've not got <laughs> Well, let's batter on. We've got quite a bit of news to batter through, so let's let's kind of charge ahead. Uh, yeah, really, really kind of first off, like big, big, big piece of news here. Speaking about independent bottlers, uh, from from Keith Bonington to Gordon and McPhail, uh, Gordon and McPhail have announced that they're going to stop being an independent bottler. So for 128 years, this company have arguably been, you know, they are the the epitome and the leader of independent bottlings. And have decided that they're going to focus purely on Ben Romich and the Cairn distillery. So, really, I mean, what do you think of this? This is this is big news, Mitch, right? I mean, it'll well, probably take them quite I mean, a bit of time to go through their inventory, but it's still pretty big news. Yeah, I was going to say it's not that they're completely stopping; they're stopping to buy new make spirit to put into casks. And you know, they, they I think one of their statements was that they have a lot of juice to still fill. Sure so it's do. not like you're you're going to stop seeing independent bottles from them. Um, but I think this is kind of telling potentially with, with regards to the industry right now. I mean, they haven't come out and said that they're going to stop buying new make forever. It might maybe the fact that, and, and this is me surmising here, you know, you think about how many independent bottlers there are out there right now doing what Gordon McPhail have been doing for so long. Um, the distilleries are all really kind of holding on to their liquid at the moment. So mm -hmm. is this a tell in in how hard it is to be an independent bottle bottler at this point in time? Maybe. That's why well, I read into it. You know what yeah, I mean? maybe. But the, I mean, if they stop buying for a, say they stop buying for 10, 15 years, that's a big, that's a big gap in, in inventory to make up if, the, yeah. if they continue to mature. But like, you know, I would arguably say that they have released whiskies ranging from eight years to 80 years old. So if they stop buying stuff this year, they still technically, if stuff was the age to 80 years, could have another 80 years worth of inventory um, of other independent mm. bottlings that they could release. Um, but yeah, I just thought, thought it was pretty interesting. And what it might actually do is is for some of the smaller players in the field, like guys like Keith, give them access to to some more of the stuff coming through from the bigger players and, and still allow the, that kind of smaller size independent bottles to really own in on some of the, the kind of finer spirits available. Yeah, it's a good point. In other news, King Charles opened the Eight Doors Distillery. Now, this is kind of cool because Big Charlie, you know, got on the blur to be and he's like, Mitch, I saw that, you know, you did a, a podcast episode up there. Is it a cool spot? I was like, Chaz, man, get your arse up there. Check out Eight Doors. Good guys, good juice. And then, you know, we see him open it up. So it just kind of proves, Nicholas, the the, the influence that we have on this podcast here. <laughs> on 
other kind of big news, uh, Scotch whiskey giant Diageo have kind of come at the table, not really pulled any punches and dropped the hammer on on the the, the British government, basically saying that the, the tax rate, which is now levied to a staggering 75% on the average price bottle of Scotch whiskey is just disgraceful. So, you know, these guys came out and, you know, it was, it was uh, Ewan Andrew, who's Diageo's global supply chain and procurement president and chief sustainability officer. Good luck putting that in a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> he's basically just said, you know, like this is this is a great growth period for Scotch whiskey, but we are stymieing our local markets in the UK because of the tax burden that, that is falling on, on the sillies. But effectively for them, what he actually said, which I thought was pretty interesting was, the hike in true to form, this will damage the smaller distilleries much, much greater who rely on uh, UK consumers, whereas the kind of bigger, um, you know, conglomerate companies like Diageo uh, have got a little bit of insulation because of their global footprint. So I think that this was, uh, you know, a good, a good opportunity to step up and kind of voice how concerning the tax on Scotch whiskey really, uh, really is. And, like we've spoken before, does this give a green light to other countries to to hike taxes on on Scotch? You know, yeah, concerning. and it's, it's and it's it's disgusting as well because to get on my high horse tier, I Please. saw that price increase literally happen the day it was announced. You know, you hear about whenever you hear about things coming down in price, it seems like there's always a delay in that happening. Yeah, but it's never the other way around. So uh, yeah, I mean. Pretty, pretty bad to see, but you know what can we do? Just lucky you're over there in the US, mate, where things are still a little bit cheaper. You think? I don't know. I don't know the last time you were over here, mate, but things are not cheap here. Yeah. Oh, it's well, insane. A gallon anyway, of milk. What's, other... that, what's, what's a gallon of milk in the UK these days? Well, as you know, mate, we don't do gallons over here. <laughs> what's a liter of milk cost? <laughs> I don't know. I don't buy milk. Is that bad? I don't know what a liter of milk is. Yeah. Because you're living in your ivory tower, mostly, or, or <laughs> my my whiskey tower. I was going to say because you don't drink milk, you're purely on a whiskey diet. Uh, well, I've lost go. three days already. Oh, womp, womp. had to get that one in. In other news, over in Wales, they now have GI or geographical indication for their whiskey. So this is a big deal. I remember going down to Aber Falls uh, about two years ago now. And this was always a big push for Welsh whiskey to be recognised. So what else has geographical indication in Wales? Angusy sea salt, uh, Welsh lamb, Welsh beef, and of course, Welsh leeks. So kind of cool to see this, um, you know, and, and I think what we're going to do here, Nicholas, is we've had an email from Steve who runs a Welsh whiskey podcast. So I think it'd be quite interesting just to do a podcast with Welsh whiskey and Scotch whiskey, see the differences, talk about what's going on in Wales, talk about what's going on in Scotland. Uh, so keep an ear out for that episode coming up shortly. You know, it's really good that even Welsh leaks are in there because Welsh plumbers are awful. That's what I've been told. So, for fuck's sake. Honestly, <laughs> this, this episode's getting a red card from me. Don Davis at the Whiskey Exchange has just announced that the first whiskey from China has now landed in the UK. So this is uh, located in the Hunan province of South Central China, and it is the, the Go Along distillery. Um, so again, that is now landed. Don't really have a lot of information you, about it, to be honest with you. 
but I've classic... got a question for you about it though. Can oh. can you go along to the distillery? Oh, well, it's a five year. Well, they've got a... <laughs> they've got a couple, right? So founded to create uniquely Hunanese spirits. Uh, go along five year old bourbon and brandy cask single malt Chinese whiskey is. $59.95 or $78 in the USA. I've not seen it here yet, so I'll keep an eye out for it. Uh, they have a five-year-old bourbon cask single malt Chinese whiskey, which is matured for five years in ex-bourbon cask, as you can imagine, and that's $52.95 or 68 Sorry, £52.95, which is $68. Need to do all these conversion rates, mate. It's tough, tough going. And then they have the kind of blended Chinese whiskey. Which is thirty-seven pounds seventy-five pence, and a US conversion to about forty-eight dollars, and and that is a combination of different grains matured in a variety of different oak barrels. But it'll be interesting to see what that kind of tastes like. And you know, there's obviously Asian spirits and Asian whiskies, specifically in uh, Japan and Taiwan, have had a really massive impact. So it'll be interesting to see what what the flavor profiles look like for go along uh, single malts from China. Have you ever tried a Chinese whiskey before? I have. Not, no, I haven't actually. Have you? No, neither have I. No, no, not at all. So it'll be interesting to see how this is and, and what's going on. I mean, I know there's a lot of uh, production going on over there. So I imagine that this is going to be the first of many bottles that we're going to see from China. I, I, I've got a, I've got a funny feeling we're probably butchering the name of this. It's probably Gao Long, but we'll figure out. I'm sure somebody will come on and correct us. We're not, no, no, no intent to harm <laughs> You, you could always go along to someone and, and ask them. You've cracked that joke already. It wasn't funny the first time. I've just literally <laughs> come off an apology of the bullshit of us butchering our way through this <laughs> pronunciation because we didn't have it written out phonetically in front of us for the morons that we are. But anyway, put your put your uh, complaint letters on to Mitch's Instagram. Let him know how it's going. Oh, mate, nice little segue there. So talking about uh, Instagram, I so saw you're, uh, you're on Instagram now. You've got, got finally yourself done it. into the modern world. What's, uh, well, what's happening here, man? Look, there's not a lot of content there. I think I've posted maybe what one, I can count them here. I've count, I've literally posted 10 little snippets and videos. I still don't know what all the buttons do, so I'm going to have to have somebody show me. I've done my damnedest to stay off of this uh, just because I... I did come off all social media at one point. I used to have quite a few. I used to have like four or 5,000 followers on Twitter and stuff. So I wasn't completely inept, but um, I'm now no longer on Twitter or X, as it's now called. Are you still on X, Mitch? Nah, I, I, I took myself off Twitter a while ago. Yeah, smart play. Shit. But yeah, I'm all over Instagram. So that's cool. So anyway, Are you on Face Creep? You. What, what is your, what is your <laughs> handle? Uh, my handle is Shibui Whiskey Nicholas. So S-H-I-B-U-I. Whiskey, Nicholas, N-I-C-H-O-L-E-S. Come and find me, or you can probably find me through Mitch, who's got a lot of people there. So if you want to come and see all the fun stuff that I'm up to, I promise I will try and post pictures of the whiskey stuff that I get up to around the United States and beyond. Uh, and when I'm over in Japan as well, you'll get to see some of the fun stuff that I do there. So it's worth worth, worth jumping on. Give me a follow and see what we're up to. But one of the things I did on Instagram today, I was a little bit proactive. So on our stories, and we'll do a one-on-one -on, -one on that for, for you, Nicholas, so you know how to do stories. Um, I did uh, a little kind of Q&A with, with everyone listening. So I started off by asking everyone what their best story experience was. We had a quite a few answers to this one, actually. actually. This was probably our most popular 
story that was replied to. So I'll, I'll run through them pretty quickly and, and we'll add some comments in here as we go. So I Drink Scotch talked about Ian, McAllister, Ian McAllister's Distillery Manager's Tour, uh, which ends in a warehouse tasting. So that's obviously down in Campbelltown uh, with Glen Scotia. And I've done that a few times now with Ian and I can definitely confirm that that is an awesome tour and get yourself down to Glen Scotia and do that tour with Ian. Uh, the Drambler talked about Glen Farkless, the Connoisseur's Tour, finished with some archive bottlings with post-it labels. Yep, done that too. That's usually when Callum comes out and goes, what year are you born in? And then pulls some uh, some liquid out from your, your date of birth, which is kind of fun. Uh, we had Tony's Drams talk about the Lagavulin Warehouse Tour with Pinky. Steve Fiforfer also said the same thing about Lagavulin. Uh, did you ever do that, mate? The Lagavulin Tour, where you go in the warehouse and Pinky like pulls liquid out the casks yeah it's baller i did do that actually yeah. i did it at uh, fagil that's a lot of fun pinky's been there for well i don't know maybe as long as lagavulin's been been standing <laughs> I don't, yeah, exactly. the ghost of lagavulin um <laughs> i i have i have done that is it's that was probably arguably that was one of the most fun experiences i had that was fagil i think what year that had been 2013 maybe quite a while ago yeah going back i go yeah, back old school times man. Yeah. Um, we've got We Sam Stan, Hollywood Distillery, says hands down. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Hollywood's doing a great job down in Edinburgh. Scotland on the shot just says being allowed to wander around without any limitations. Scotland on the shot, I want to do a distillery tour with you where you do that. I'm, I'm, I've seen his stuff. He's probably talking about the fact that he can just chuck his drone up in the in the in the still house and run it through the still house and all that kind of shit. Um Words over whiskey, knocking me in. Really interesting to see how new distilleries are doing their thing. Absolutely. Uh, great little tour down there. I remember going down there with uh, Annabelle taking us around, and that was fantastic. And then um, Whiskey Thompson, touring all three Campbelltown whiskeys in one day. Yeah, that sounds like a good day in the office. Indeed, indeed. So the next thing that you posted was the funniest scenario you've had with whiskey. There you go, Mitch. You didn't, didn't leave... Much open, but words over whiskey said during a tasting, I was asked what whiskey would be like if you added banana to the cask. <laughs> what would that be like? Can you imagine? Banana? Wait, there, there, there is a banana whiskey over in the US, though, right? What's there it? Is, is it like screwball or something like that? Howler head. Howler head. Howler and you know, head. That's and, and it's it's um. Do you know who's involved with it? Actually, uh, is uh, Mr. Simon, Simon Hunt. Hunt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a couple of couple of really good people actually involved in this this brand that's taken off. It's flying at the moment. So have you tried it yet? I have not. I've yet. Simon, if you're listening, <laughs> I feel like this would be an easy fix. But yeah, I have not tried <laughs> it yet. Uh, no, so, so there you go. Words over whiskey. Get some howler head down you. There you go. <laughs> Um, the next one I asked is what what would you give a TED talk on uh with regards to whiskey? What would be the subject? So Barry Reed and the Peated Pirate talked about designing new distilleries. Can I just That's say a TED talk I'd actually like to listen to? Barry Reed and the Peated Pirate sounds like a band from the eighties. <laughs> it does, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's two separate people, by the way. That I just oh, they really? said the same thing. You, but you just yeah, said yeah, it. Okay, it's not that, their that, handle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, the minute you said it, it was like Barry Reed and the Peated Pirates, I was like, oh, there you go. <laughs> what a band that was. <laughs> Uh, was Carlos Santana the guitarist? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he played the rusty trombone. 
Oh, but we're cutting that. <laughs> there you go. Always good to have something to edit. Thanks. <laughs> uh, whiskey Graham, fermentation will rock the nation. I like that title. So you talked about yeast and fermentation, huge part of the flavor profiles, which is, is, is you know, I think we've talked about this on the show before. We're going to get, um, I think that's going to be an interesting one when we get Dr. Bill on. Yeah. Uh, to talk about that because he's big on that right now in Scotch whiskey. So that is one of my things. I need um, Dr. Bill, I'm coming after you. We're getting you on the show soon. Um, Scott Hamilton from, uh, I, I like this one, Scott. This is great. So his tech talk would be from non whiskey drinker to Gizit in three months. <laughs> Which sporting legend would you have a drink with, dead or alive? We Sam Stans, said Michael Phelps. There you go. Apparently, likes mm. uh, a little drop of water in his whiskey. Scott Hamilton said Ali, assuming Muhammad Ali wasn't um, specific, unless it was just anybody named Ali. And then the I Drambler... Mean, if it was more specific, we, we could have we boxed that one off right there, yeah? We could have done. <laughs> the Drambler uh, wrote Chris Hoy. There you go, on your bike. Do you think Chris Hoy drinks whiskey? I have no idea. Has I anyone had a, had, a, had a dram with Chris Hoy? If you have, let us know. We want to hear about it. <laughs> so guys thank you all for uh chucking your comments in there on social it's always great to hear from you and get those kind of feedback it's it's it's, it's a lot of fun read them out so back to what we started talking about at the top of the show uh with regards to destination duff town this crazy marathon that was the, these guys did two marathons over two days as i mentioned i sat down with uh mark thompson who came out with it all tristan stevenson and this is what they had to say Right, so Mark, we've just finished Destination Duff Town, which we've just been chatting about. I've been telling Nicholas all about it. How did you come up with this whole idea, man? Um, I, God, that's a really good question that no one's asked me up until this point, which means I don't have an answer to give you. <laughs> and having just come away from running two ultramarathons in two days, my brain's a little fuzzy. But anyway, uh, we, we, I initially wanted to do a run uh, with some guys in the hospital industry and we were trying to plan it and then I, I, we couldn't quite get the right route and then we couldn't get everybody together and it just was all becoming a big faff and I was reading The Life and Times of William Grant which I know you've read as well mm -hmm. it's kind of given us to all the ambassadors and in it there was this paragraph about him walking to Bremar and I just thought my goodness that's that's quite a distance yeah and he did it over a few days, but um, and also took a flat straight line. So I thought, why don't I do that? Run from Bremar back to Dufton. And then I looked at the map and realised it was, you know, 91 kilometres or something. So I split it up with a stay in Tom and Tau uh, and put a, a request out on Instagram and various other bartenders and, and those in the hospitality that I knew and said, would you be up for this? I got six or seven people saying yes immediately. I don't think I explained it very well. Uh, and then I went to my bosses with a presentation and said, I have this. Uh, I've got a lot of interest for it, or more interest than I thought I would have. It's a really difficult thing to, to complete. And then eventually we actually ended up with 13 runners. We had a few last minute call offs and some injuries, so it ended up at 10. But still, if you look at the hospitality industry, that's a fair number yeah. uh, to ask. Um, so that was it. it. It was this quick idea out of the life and times of William Grant, coupled with what I love doing, which is running. 
over hills in Scotland. And yeah, our bosses loved it. Retracing the steps away in Grant, I love yeah. it. So just for everyone listening, and I know you're mad for your running and we're going to get Tristan on here in just a second to chat more about the intricacies of what the run entailed. Uh, just talk to everyone, like, what are we talking distance-wise over two days? What, are you, what did you guys just do? So the first day we set off uh, from Brimar about 10 o'clock in the morning and ran 47 kilometres, so just over a marathon. But 98% of that route was off-road and it took in two Munros, which are mountains in Scotland, uh, over at 3,000 feet, at, which obviously added a lot of elevation. So the first day, 47 kilometres, and we ran the equivalent of Snowdon and a little bit more in elevation. Day two was 45 and a half kilometres, slightly less elevation to begin with, and then we ended up running Ben Rennes, uh, Conville Hill, Meikle Conville and Little Conville and those three took the elevation total to 1650 metres right before the finish at Glenfiddich so that was twice up Snowden basically today uh, in about six and a half hours. And I think the impressive thing is last night after the first marathon that you did because that was two marathons back to back some of the guys were in the pub. Yeah I mean there was... Responsibly of course. Yeah it was there was free pool, free jukebox I was hoping it was free beer, but uh, and, that, didn't, that didn't happen. And, and you learned how to say Tom and Tal as well. I did so learn that's, that's how to say Tom and Tal, yeah. not Tom and Tool. It's funny, we had two Scottish boys, one of them from, from Speyside, Fraser Campbell, and he didn't know how to fucking pronounce yeah. Tom and Tal either. Yeah. But we had, we had Alan, who basically was born in a peat bog uh, <laughs> and knew everything about the area. <laughs> Runs a reindeer farm in Tom and Tal, and we asked him. And I have to keep imagining a face cloth or a, a bath towel to get it right. Midway through the word, I start. Tom and towel. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk, talk about the charity aspect, because there was a charity aspect of Destination Dufftown. So what did you achieve there? So, you know, it's not all about us. We wanted to show hospitality. The, the distillery, we wanted to involve the benefits of fitness and, and not just going to the pub. And I also wanted to involve an environmental charity, which is run by a friend of mine. Uh, and I, I met her about five years ago whilst doing another similar challenge. And she, great, protect our winters, she looks after. And it's um, a charity specifically aligned with the outdoor, excuse me, outdoor adventure sports community, empowering them to be better advocates about climate change. And how much did you guys raise? We're at 2,800 just now, so probably by the time this goes out, Fabs will have done his video edit of the whole thing. I reckon we'll be over 3,000 quite easily. Brilliant. And William Grant and Sons will match any money raised, so we'll be over £6,000 for Protect Our Winters. Fantastic, man. Well, you know, pleasure to be part of it, even though I wasn't running. Very cool. No, well, we couldn't have done it without the support crews that are around us, and that's a great thing as well. That sense of community that's come together for not just me, but all the, all the runners, all the participants who understand that hospitality team thing. Hmm. I think it was vital to choose the right kind of uh, support crew. Um, we've obviously learnt our lesson this year. We'll choose better next year. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Thompson, a dick as always. Thanks for being on the show again, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks very much. Enjoy your evening. All right, so to finish off the Destination Dufftown series that we're doing here. I've got Tristan Stevenson, 
who some of you may remember, we did an episode with him and Tom way back in our lockdown days. Uh, Tristan runs Whiskey Me, the whole amazing Black Rock Whiskey Bar. If you haven't been down there when you're in London or China now, get your ass <laughs> in there. Um, and Tristan's also written a couple of books and his kind of... Dude, it's not even a part-time hobby for you anymore, is it? You're like an ultra runner, crazy marathon runner. Yeah. Just run every day of your life, it's basically. Not a hobby, and it is more like a part-time job these days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a daily commitment of my time, but uh, I love it. Now let's chat about how, how, on average, per week, how much are you running? Well, it does vary uh, depending on the part of the year and how my training is and where I'm headed, like where the next race is. But I average about 100 kilometers a week and sometimes I run 200 kilometers a week uh, to, when I'm getting close to a race. This week being one of them, in fact, because we've just done nearly 100 kilometers in two days. So this will be, uh, the running's not over for me yet this week. There'll be more to come. <laughs> See, that's crazy, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think one of the things I want to touch on with you, Tristan, is, you know, obviously big into you, you, hospitality. You've always been there. We worked back in the day with yep. Diageo. Yep. Uh, Fond seen... memories, mate. Fond memories. Uh, good time. Yeah, take me back. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you see, like, you know, you just ran with a lot of chefs, bartenders. Going back to our days in Diageo, this would never have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's just been an increasing amount of, you know, self-reflection and observation uh, of what we're doing in hospitality Perhaps some of the pitfalls and dangers of working in this industry and how it's so easy to, you know, slip into a habit of drinking um, and, you know, other excessive um, uh, activities. And it's, I mean, look, it's a cliche, but it's about balance. Mm. You really do have to balance it out. I mean, you know, this is applicable to people who work in hospitality, but it's applicable to any profession or any endeavor activity. It's not great to be just you know kind of doing one single thing especially if it's something that's detrimental to your health and your mental health so um for me running just ticks all the boxes and it, of course it doesn't have to be running it could be cycling it could be swimming it could be anything where you're kind of putting yourself through the ringer a little bit and um that really is critical to it i think you need to suffer a little bit yeah uh, and i know that's it's not an easy sell to tell someone they need to suffer a little bit but just that bit of effort, that, that kind of like your humility that exercise and endeavor brings to your life is just an incredibly powerful like reset mechanism for your mind. Mm. And you know, you can, you can spend uh, half an hour running and really kind of solve a lot of the problems in your life in the sort of headspace that running creates for you. And um, I've, I've kind of become accustomed to it now. It's such a natural thing that I don't even recognize the benefits it brings until I get an injury or something like that. And I'm like, oh my God, uh, I've got a bad attitude. I feel down, I feel depressed. Uh, you know, the world is against me, everything's bad. And it quite simply is because I don't have the perspective that exercise provides me. That's good. I mean, it's good that it's taken running to realize that you've got a bad attitude. I, <laughs> I you realize that could be dead. You're going to tell me that <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think you make such good points. Like, you know, I do a little bit of cycling, paddleboarding, all that. I, I, I've never run. I have done when I was younger, but um, running for me is like just torture. Yeah. But I love cycling, I love mm. paddleboarding, and that high that you get off it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so good. Exactly. I totally get you saying, like, getting your own, own headspace. So let's chat about what you just did. You guys just did 
two marathons in two days. How was it? Like, and the scenery as well. Explain to it like you ran over some amazing scenery from Braemar to Dufftown mm. over one Monroe, but then several other massive hills. Two Monroes on day one. Two Monroes. Um, I won't even attempt to uh, name them because my Gaelic is awful. Um, <laughs> unless it comes to whiskey, and then I'm, my pronunciation is all right. Um, but yeah, two days, um, two kind of different days. We had amazing weather on day one, starting in Braemar, finishing in Tom and Tool. Um, but effectively that day was uh, two very flat runs bookending a middle section that was a very large climb, a plateau run, uh, another little climb, and then a drop down. And so quite simple in that sense. And we had beautiful weather, stunning Scottish scenery. I mean, I've been up in Monroe's a few times before and, and I've done, um, uh, you know, running, running up here and obviously visited Scotland a lot but it's just genuinely some of the best scenery I've ever seen. It was incredible mm. and to share it with the, the guys that we were running was, was wonderful. Day two, different. Uh, all of the hills are kind of at the end uh, as we approached Dufton, um, you know, finishing on Ben Rennes and the Convals. The, the earlier in the day, the weather was a little bit sort of bleak and we were doing a lot of woodland running. So quite different, but you know, I was saying, um, trying to put a positive spin on it, we kind of got a little bit of everything, you know, we didn't get snow, yeah. but, uh, you know, wind, rain, at the top of Ben Rennes, it was pretty, pretty bad, actually. We didn't hang around up there very long. We had a little drama of Glenford at 15 and then uh, headed back down. It's a whiskey podcast, not a running podcast, so let's chat about the state of whiskey today. What are you, what are you feeling about it? How's the bars going? Whiskey me? How's all that going? Yeah, well, uh, I think... We're moving into a tough time of whiskey, I really do. Um, I think cost of production's going up uh, for various reasons, some of them uh, more justified than others. Um, or the cost of whiskey is going up for various reasons, some of them more justified than others. If it's costing you a lot more to produce, then obviously you need to put your prices up. Um, but those aren't the only reasons that brands are putting their prices up. Um, we've got a cost of living crisis going on right now. Um, Whiskey is a luxury item. That's that's difficult in the UK, and um, you know we're seeing it. We we in terms of on trade with Black Rock, it's fine. Uh, you know we 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 still have plenty of people with the money and the appetite to drink great whiskey, and uh, that bar's doing really really well. And and certain and in China too, with Whiskey Me, it's a tough it's tough. You know I mean. We fall under the sort of e-commerce subscription market mm. and we're in a time now where people are cancelling subscriptions left, right and centre as they try and crack down on all of the uh, expenses that they're not sort of monitoring day to day. Yeah. So it's really hard. It's really hard. You've got to entice new customers in. You have to manage the ones that are leaving, try and keep them. Um, and, you know, we are at Whiskey Me, we think, the best value way to sample single malt whiskey. I mean it's you know it's 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 cheaper than in a bar it's less volume than if you buy a bottle um yeah so what are you guys for a subscription uh, we're 15 at, a month? we're 18 8.99 a month for a single pouch uh which could be the sing, uh, single malt whiskey from scotland or it can be a world whiskey from anywhere around the world or if you get the um uh, adventure subscription you get both and then it's twice the price so um 
So yeah, yeah, it's it, we're not we're it's, in terms of sort of like access point, we're pretty cheap and we're cheaper than our competitors uh, because for many reasons, and we talked about this in the last episode, but mostly because we package in pouches and it fits your letterbox and it's not mm. glass and, and so on and so forth. So, but yeah, we're still we are finding it tough, and if we're finding it tough. Um, then everyone else in the whiskey subscription space is probably finding it tough too. So we'll, we'll see how this plays out. But um, and you've got three dragons behind you as well. I mean, exactly, yeah. we have that too in yeah. our favour. And even and even with that, it's it's tough. You know, we're seeing customers churn, and I can understand why. You know, I mean, I'm cancelling subscriptions uh, mm. that I don't need, because, probably because I signed up to too many in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so those twenty running <laughs> magazine subscriptions that yeah, you have. Yeah, I think I should probably cut out some of the chaff a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, man. Well, listen, thank you for so much for being on the show again. Always good to see you. Great Thanks, to hang out with you this week, man. Yeah. And, uh, you too. Good to see you, man. Slange. Slange. Mitch, that was a great interview. My feet hurt just from listening to it. Sounds like there was a lot of. A lot of running, walking, and uh, stress going on there, but all for a great cause. So well done putting that together. Um, yeah, and well done to the guys that were running it as well. I mean, really impressive. Two marathons over two days for a really good cause as well. Uh, a lot of charity work going on there. So it was great to see and great to be part of it. Uh, but dude, that's it for the, the for the week. Let's let's wrap this bad boy up. And uh, Nicholas, whoop, whoop. always a pleasure, man. Indeed, great indeed. to have you on the show. Thank you to everyone. What is a guest? It's just like a. Is this news coming? Like, Great to have you here. You're more and, like uh, a. It's more like a bit of furniture, I think, this time. Oh yeah, thanks, thanks just, for that. Just sitting in the background. <laughs> as always, as always. Well, you get paid by the words, so. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. Until next time, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.